Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, White Sox fans. Believe it or not, you have reached in this odyssey with this 2021 Chicago White Sox team. You have reached Believe in White Sox podcast number four. I'm the co-host, Brett Valentini of Southside Sox. And with me, my co-host, also Southside Sox, is Tommy Barbie. Thank you for joining me again, Tommy. Yes, thank you for having me. Hello, everyone. Hey, the White Sox. Tommy, the White Sox are good. They're good. The White Sox best are pretty record. good. Uh, yeah, best record in baseball. Uh, did it just this week by basically take wrestling it away that title from the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, they took two out of three, uh, sort of a, I don't know about thrilling when you sort of blow a lead, but ended up being thrilling enough getting the extra innings victory uh, to end up the Rays series and take two out of three from them before they go on to play Houston, another challenging series, tough week for yeah. the White Sox. And so far, even as they continue to walk wounded, this team manages to rise up uh, to the occasion as the best team of baseball. Absolutely. And, you know, they won the series without um, even having Yoan Mankata play the entire series. So, I mean, that it's no small feat to, go in with all the injuries the Sox have, but then also without Mankata to still pull off two out of three. That, that's that's pretty good. And the pitching, the pitching, the pitching, the pitching. This starting rotation is nuts. We've even got Dallas Keuchel finally starting to chip in here these last few yeah. starts, particularly this last one. So now this is a team that's potentially five deep in starters, which, first of all, I, I, I jumped off a bridge faster than you telling me that somehow <laughs> – White Sox would have five strong starters heading at the all-star break, but to be this strong, I mean, just, I mean, strong, like intact, but strong as in guys who have like all-star potential. This is, this rotation is getting insane. It, it's also just how dominant they are too. I mean, you're talking about wow. more than half the rotation being in the top 10 in ERA. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about basically every game you can assume, all right, no matter who is pitching, you're looking at at least six innings, three earned runs or less, and you're you're good to go. So, I mean, if, if this bullpen could get figured out, I think you'd really be cooking right now. Yeah, I mean, streaks are streaks, and who cares? And that, that stuff can be just sort of silly trivia, but I, I believe they've got quite a run going of making it at least until fifth inning. There hasn't even been like the Lucas Giolito start at Fenway Park. They haven't right. even sprinkled in one of those where just for even a weird, like a rain delay reason that they haven't even made it to, to five innings. And even notwithstanding the fact they're very effective innings, the fact that they are just making that benchmark yeah. uh, says something. It does. The uh, one of the articles that we have up on Southside Sox again, Tommy and I right there. So we're going to refer to that uh, site often uh, is something I did, something I do. I'm fascinated by it. It seems like most people are not, which is fine. That's <laughs> not the first time I've been told such things. But I do a value survey number of times over the course of the season. It basically says, hey, here's here's the dollar amount that a single win above replacement is. Mm -hmm. Let's match it up against a salary and let's see whether this guy's, a, say, a positive value for the White Sox or a negative value. You can imagine that a higher salary player like Yasmani Grandal has got to have a pretty good year to at least even just be an even value, whereas exactly. a guy like your mean Mercedes who hits the ball like nuts for about a month uh, is projecting to be a massive value, not so much now. But uh, the reason I bring this up is not to promote my own nonsense, but but <laughs> to say that the four starters and 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 Keuchel hit a weird in this last one I just published hit a, hit a, like a real weird lip where this last start he just did didn't get into this last report, so he ends up showing poorly, even though it's going to be better. I assume the next report because he just had a dynamite start. But the other right. four starters, I wrote this down here somewhere. Basically, okay. Four-fifths of starting rotation. Basically, this, this salary report took about a fifth of the season, right? So 20% mm -hmm. of the season, the other four starters added almost $12 million in surplus value beyond their salaries. And granted, of course, Dylan Cease, very low salary. Lucas Giolito, relatively low salary. Low salary, uh, yeah. Carlos Rodon, low salary. But not nothing, uh, not minimum, but, but Cease. So in a fifth of the season to add like 12 million dollars in surplus value to your team i mean the, the short of it is the white Sox, through through luck through stoop planning it's a little maybe a little bit of both uh through lining up the type of roster they have 
have put together an extraordinary value season where it's really almost everything that's gone right or that could go right has gone right. And that obviously beyond the injuries, because those things have gone very wrong, but the fact right. that the guys who have come up, the Billy Hamiltons, even the, even the Brian Goodwins that they come up, like the guys provided a half a million dollars in, in surplus value in like five days. And two so, games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, everything is cooking <laughs> with these guys. And we're talking about the rotation. I decided to uh, uh, take too long a detour into that, but uh, it speaks to the fact that this team is really clicking uh, uh to an extraordinary degree. You take a look at the standings. We've done this before. Run differential. They are not only first in baseball, but they are first now by a widening. Long shot. Yeah. Um, they are projecting, if you take into account, run differential for 108 wins. Now, granted, is it possible they do that? I suppose it's possible. Are we expecting them to do that? Maybe not. But just what they've done so far, even fighting these injuries, is projecting to 108 wins, which would put them... 28 games in first place over the AL Central. Clearly, it would make them the best team in baseball. Right. Uh, the Rays are projecting to 101 wins, so certainly not shabby in the least. Astros also 101 win team. So we've got a formidable opponent just as good as the Rays coming up against the Astros and uh, not maybe diverting into the cheating scandal, which still lingers. And we'll have some stuff to talk about in a bit on cheating scandals. But uh, that aside, the Astros are still a strong team despite having some setbacks as well. Uh, yeah. We like the Sox chances going to Houston and maybe having a chance at taking that series. I, I, I think so. I mean, it, it's really hard to say anything different just with how well the Sox have been playing. Um, I think that these, like having all of these series back, relatively back-to-back so you have the Yankees the Rays now the Astros these are the tests that the Sox really need to have to see where a little bit and and really get a feel for you know kind of not just talent wise where they are but to kind of feel that atmosphere and you know I I think it's really important that Keuchel has turned it around in games where the Sox, frankly, have been under the spotlight where like they needed a win against the Rays and he was there to help deliver that. And those are where those are the moments where, you know, getting a guy like Lance Lynn, getting a guy like Dallas Keuchel, guys that are not only veterans, but understand the bigger moments has made quite a bit of a difference. And, and you can really tell that between some of the playoff experience the Sox team got last year and having some of these wily veterans to kind of help. They, they go through this. I'm not as well-versed in the other 29 teams as I am the White Sox, but I think it's fairly safe to say, and something that is that has to buoy your confidence going into a Houston series is that uh, what we're referring to with the rotation, that is, there's not a guy you're running out there where you're like, okay, we hope, or maybe we'll get right. a big offensive game. I mean, we've got five at this point, five legitimate guys. And technically when Michael Kopech comes back, even though he's going to be on that innings limit, if he really needed a spot start. He's another guy you can throw out there. Who's not even a fifth or sixth in talent yep. uh, who you're going to be able to run out there and say, this team, this pitching staff alone, this rotation alone gives the White Sox a chance to win every single game. And not only have the White Sox not had that maybe ever, but uh, certainly teams around Major League Baseball, there are very few if Don't any have that, that can boast that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's it's incredibly rare. I mean, I think more often than not, the focus has been on the offense and how many runs they can provide in support of the pitchers. So it's less stressful innings. It's not even like, okay, maybe maybe they can hang around, maybe they can do this. It's like, no, you know that you're looking at a quality start out of every single one of these starters. Get the run support early to make it easier on them. And not to uh, linger too long on the rotation, but it's the best thing to talk about. But when you break all of these guys down, Keiko, I would argue, uh, I guess you can give me your takes as well. Keiko, I would argue, is about what you would have expected. I think it was very safe to say he was going to take a little bit of a step back. Maybe not as yeah. bad as he showed, but about where he is right now, I, I think that seems spot on. Agreed. 
Uh, Giolito, maybe a, maybe a shade worse. He seemed he seemed to scuff a little bit more at the home run balls. Had a little trouble maybe getting under some of his uh, pitches. But I would say, generally speaking, I sort of pegged him as a, as as the Cy Young favorite. I don't think mm-hmm. he's quite that, but uh, still strong. So not too far off in terms of any sort of disappointment. And then Dylan Cease, no chance anyone can possibly think of what this was. Uh, uh, Carlos Rodon, come on, yeah. this is better than people would have thought he could be as a rookie yeah exactly coming in uh at such a high draft choice this is about best case what you think he could be Mm -hmm. uh lance lynn i was a bit of a naysayer i just take a look at the guy and say at some point a guy like him is going to hit the wall and he's like "Uh uh-uh no forget it pal Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm going to show you i even have another gear and his last couple season gears have been really good so he is outpacing i think anything we could have reasonably expected that's nuts to think yeah. that this team not granted we're talking about 40 percent of the season at this point we're getting close to half but still only 40 percent. a lot can still happen but holy cow i could not have ever 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 thought that the white Sox would have been the rotation would have put together what they have done especially starting on a little rocky cease had the little COVID scare. Yeah. Uh, Lynn had the thing where it's like, well, he could have kept pitching if this was uh, September, but no, it's like, well, geez, you still don't want this news in April. It didn't even exactly. start out super strong, but man, where they've gone in these last, let's say this, this, this <laughs> from like mid April on has just been mind blowing. Well, I think too, it, it, it has been telling recently because there have been starts where Lynn hasn't had his best stuff, but even then he still performs at, 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 in a big time level. Same for Keuchel, same for C's, same for Rodon. Like we're seeing starts now where the guys don't even always have their best stuff, but they're still putting the White Sox in a great position to win. And that to me tells you, volumes because it's one thing if just you know they're putting out degrom like numbers where it's just lights out every single time but if you're talking about guys that are pitching to contact or doing the little things to just get through the game but they're still managing to pitch six seven innings without throwing an insane amount of pitches that's that's outstanding that's the best thing you could hope for yeah all right topic number two uh pertaining directly to the white Sox. tommy is uh, it's been several days now, but it's still somewhat fresh to the Believe in White Sox uh, massive and growing popular radio network. And that is the Nick Madrigal injury. Uh, I'm yes. going to guess an affirmative here, but is this the most weatherable injury that the White Sox can have? Not that any are good, not that Nick Madrigal isn't an extremely valuable player to the White Sox. Is this one we feel confident they can more easily get through than say, any of the other ones? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, I frankly, I'm more concerned about how Madrigal will be when he comes back just because of the type of player he is rather than the White so- how the White Sox will perform without him. I think, yes, he has shown great strides in some areas, but ultimately you're talking about a one to two war player, which isn't bad but at the same time the Sox have depth in those areas to help offset that injury uh are you of the mind that there needs to be any sort of um panic dialing on rick hans part to be if not for the immediate uh future somewhere between now and the end of the season uh fortifying uh this area we know what the reality is going to be it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be dumpster diving it is <laughs> and, and, and that i i think that's you where you said yes too quickly <laughs> that, that's where my frustration is is that like you know all day on on twitter like today yesterday it's just like oh the socks need to get this guy the socks need to get that guy and i'm like <laughs> who do the Sox have to trade for those players? And if all it took was, you know, even crochet, those deals would have been made already. Um, it, it's going to be dumpster diving. It's going to be a Brian Goodwin type situation where Pittsburgh just says, <laughs> here, <laughs> take a player. And the Sox happen to get lucky for a right. month or two months. And that's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But I think if the Sox are going to make any major moves, 
it's going to be a veteran bat that they can rely on as a potential DH situation to basically spell uh, your mean, I think, because that's where I'm betting the Sox have the most concern if there's any concern in, in that front office. <laughs> part, part of me that's is laughing at that concept because that's the one area they have 65 players, but I guess the point is to be able to put somebody out there who will actually be able to hit. And Andrew Vaughn has proven he's um, devastating against left-handers. Maybe a little less so against uh, right-handers. Righties, Jose yeah. Abreu does not want to play DH. Uh, uh, yep. Zach Collins, okay, he's not exactly going to be our regular DH. So I guess even though my inclination was to giggle there, Tommy, uh, you're right. I guess in terms of the established bat, they wouldn't have bought Eduardo, uh, uh, Edwin Encarnacion uh, last year and sort of gone with this sort of wing it. Oh, wait, no, actually gone with a rookie, at least until right. the Loy injury, gone with a rookie. Uh, this year if they really did truly have all those bats stacked and it's you know sad to say that but I mean that's they're kind of back where they started from in in a lot of ways I saw uh, among some of all the some of the discussion uh, like you know Eduardo Escobar old friend uh, his name pops up as a guy who could certainly plug in and actually has a little bit of Womp to the bat Uh, and I think the somebody's idea was like uh, oh you know just take like a Zach you know, like a, like a Zach Birdie kind of guy. I'm like, oh, Zach Birdie's going to get you Brian Goodwin. You know, Zach Birdie. Right, exactly. I, mean, I don't want to overvalue Eduardo Escobar, but I mean, it's also not, yeah. I mean, I, I may not be as even dour as, as your comment where there's just not much to trade because I do think there are, there's, uh, I hate to say it, but there's a guy in Birmingham who's shown out real well with his power. And I think there's a reason he's still in Birmingham. I think it's because they don't want to move him because the numbers look real good. And that could come up at the trade deadline. But I mean, there are guys who are performing enough that I think you could showcase and actually put together probably a legitimate deal, but it's just not going to be, okay, here's a guy who didn't work. Here are the guys who are injured and haven't worked out for us. So let me right. give you a couple of those and we'll get a legitimate guy that can help us uh, secure a division. That's not going to happen. I, I mean, I know among the 30 teams, there's a couple dumb ones out there, but I don't think anybody's that dumb. And the idea that no. it's going to be, they're going to fall out of bed and get a great key piece that immediately plays an active roster role for the White Sox uh, is silly. Uh, you know. It is. And I mean, I think, I think where I struggle with it is that a lot of the trade pieces that the White Sox have, at least that I can think of off the top of my head are far more valuable to the White Sox than they are to other franchises. So, I mean, even when you're talking about uh, crochet, I mean, sure. If you want to get into Kopech, that's another discussion, but like with both of those guys, they mean a lot to the White Sox to other organizations. I don't know how many of them look at crochet as a starter. I don't know how many of them, trust Kopech can stay healthy enough for an entire season it's it's kind of a risk and it's like where are you really going to get the value that you're comfortable making that type of trade um and and that's really what it's going to come down to what's gonna be interesting I have a feeling we're going to be talking about it a few more times in coming episodes for absolutely the throngs out there to listen to well Tommy we were just talking about injuries and it's it's my seg we, I, you may not know this, we have our first sponsor. So we have All a right. of an ad read here. So I'm going to do it. I think maybe next week you're, you're going to take a shot at it, but uh, it's our good friends at Milton Bradley. Can you believe it? Oh, nice. Yeah. How about that? Okay. So, Hey, it's White Sox operation, the wacky doctor's game, batteries, not included, reattach Eloy's pectoral muscle and Luis's hip transfer Adam Engel's healed hamstring to Nick Madrigal. Extract cash stacks from Jerry Reinsdorf's wallet. Untie Rick Hahn's tongue when Pittsburgh or Arizona calls. Insert Tony LaRusse's funny bone. It takes a very steady hand. White Sox operation, a Milton Bradley game. Brought to you by Believe in White Sox. There you go, Tommy. How about that? That is quite the segue. How about that? Yeah, you know. Never, never, never accuse Milton Bradley of not being willing to exploit major league baseball franchises misfortune for their own gain because that thing is going to sell like hotcakes. We got in on it first, Tommy. So hopefully we're going to help out Believe in White Sox, the Believe Podcast Network. 
you know, you might think they've got 8 million shows that so they don't need the help, but hey, little, every little bit helps. That's why so, we're here. You know, little dime in the tip jar. Exactly. That's Sweet. why we're here. So second half of the show, let's talk, let's change directions, move from the White Sox and talk about this preposterous <laughs> pitching scandal that's going on. Uh, the self-inflicted pitching scandal. <laughs> involving, um, what's it called? Spider tack? Yeah. Tack something? Okay. Spider tack is one which, of them. Yeah. Which apparently is like super glue. Um, doesn't seem like maybe there's any place for that in baseball. Seems like the folks who have lost their hair over Gaylord Perry applying Vaseline to a baseball or Joe Necro uh, applying a, an emery board to a baseball uh, should, their mind should explode if you're going to take stuff that, you know, I don't know, can make, can make you, uh, it was a super glue thing. The guy used to, yes, he's, we're just really stuck on advertising now where the guy was <laughs> hanging from the, uh, the girder or whatever by his own uh, protective helmet, uh, you know, but the notion that Major League Baseball, first of all, mid-season is deciding to arbitrarily say, okay, now we're going to change how everything's being done. Right. And that they're loop, they're lumping things like sunscreen and rosin rosin which has always been legal which is already there mouth, yeah already there and sunscreen which i'm afraid to say unless you want all your players dead you do need to still use and occasionally exactly. maybe those things are going to come in contact with one another i don't yep. think those two form uh when you put those two together that equals spider tack so the idea that now those things are looked at equally and players are going to be removed from games suspended with pay um disruptions in games elongation of games which mlb is fixated on on squeezing the time of games um it seems to be outrageous on many levels i have my own theories about why but your thoughts tommy on the pitching scandal that was or wasn't or is still going to be it, the whole thing is ridiculous and um you know it was it was touched on in the last killer bees podcast but i mean it's just like major league baseball spent all this time in the last year and a half embroiled in this oh the ball's too lively we have to do this to the baseball oh we went too far now we have to fix it and somehow between that and now we're now talking about what substances pitchers are using on the baseball for basically control. And yeah, if you're using spider tech, that's a step too far, but it seemed like the logical solution was here is a universal baseline that all pitchers can use and that's it. And, you know, you could have left it at sunscreen and rosin because you're pitching in the middle of summer. Um, but to say, oh, well, we're going to say anything beyond rosin is too much. And now the umpires basically have to make the decision mid-game on what is too much, what is a you know foreign substance or what's okay or acceptable. It, it is going to cause so many headaches and you already have pitchers that are getting hurt blaming it on the switch um, you know, most recently with Glasnow saying, hey, I was doing okay until I had to stop using sunscreen and rosin and I'm feeling pain that I haven't felt before because I have to grip the baseball differently. You're asking pitchers to do way too much midseason. Yeah, what's offensive is this isn't new. This isn't um, one example I used with this. This isn't the Seattle Mariners signing an alien species to play baseball midseason, something that yeah. came out of nowhere. Um, some completely piece, I don't know, a new piece of equipment. I mean, I can't even think of what the comparison would be that would make sense to say, hold on, stop, suspend the season and let's figure out how to deal with the situation. They've known about this for years. There's been so much comparison to the steroid scandal, however well those two things line up. Uh, there's similarities, at least in that this has been something that's been talked about, people mm -hmm. have been aware of, and then it's an Major open League secret. Baseball has hyped it. You know, right. baseball, the Baseball Savant page, in addition to a lot of incredible information, does a ton just simply to hype up pitch movement. Uh, spin rates. Spin rates. Yep. A year ago, okay, I mean, I'm dumb, so I'll say a year ago, but come on, five <laughs> years ago, anybody think about spin rate? That's like mm -hmm. a wiffle ball thing. Yeah. 
uh, you know, imagine if in 1998, I understand there was a lot of reason why uh, nothing was said in 1998 mid home run race because they had to uh because baseball was dead and it had to it had to be reborn through mark mcguire and sammy sosa exactly but uh imagine if mid-season they're like well okay we're taking the creatine out of mark mcguire's locker and sammy right. sosa can only use what you know whatever uh, we're going to measure heads uh, we're we're going to make sure you have to fit in the baseball cap you were issued at the start of the season. Uh, this midstream stuff is uh, it's really beyond the pale. I can't imagine what the purpose of disrupting. Th- and, and, and <laughs> it's not the first time ownership is willing to sacrifice its own players, its own exactly. fortunes, because now we have again whether or not it can be scientifically proven that Tyler Glasnow. We got hurt because he had to change on the fly from start to start how he right. throws the ball. The fact that baseball is going to still go, I'm guessing they're not like sending a memo around saying, okay, alert, alert. Uh, Tyler got hurt. He's one of our brightest stars. Uh, you know, what do we do? I hope there's mm-hmm. a little discussion, but I'm guessing it's not, well, we better change. We better change our plan. We better let's table this till the end of the season. That right. doesn't seem to the reaction. So it's sort of like, okay, fine. Cy, a Cy Young favorite or a Cy Young future favorite, uh, fine. Let, let him let him rip his elbow, fine. Uh, because of, I still don't even know why. Because of why? And that's the part that I don't understand is that they're. It's like they're trying to solve a problem. <laughs> I don't know what they're trying to solve because there's still never there was never a conclusion on what tampering with the baseball itself did over the past two years. And now you're going to say, oh, well, spin rates have gone up 600 RPM in the last year, and that's not possible. So it has to be this. It's like, okay, but we know that you changed the baseball. And there hasn't been any scientific proof to say this is exactly what happened between one year and another. So it's just like, there's way too many variables to say, oh, this is the thing. That, that caused a problem. And it's just, for me, I, I think it's probably more damning than the steroid scandal only because it is so obvious that Major League Baseball is looking to put the brunt of blame on individual <laughs> players than to take responsibility for themselves. And that's the only wow. difference because at least before Bud Selig was slick enough to be like, oh, hey, you know, it was entertaining, but I I guess they were doing steroids. Let's mm-hmm. look at it. Let's create this fake report and just plaster some names on it. And we'll go in front of Congress and, and make a big spectacle of it so that everybody pays attention to the players and what they're doing. And no one has to talk about every owner knowing that this was happening as it was happening. Now at Southside Sox, Tommy, I've been called uh, naive and sort of a rabble rouser um, for suggesting that there is purpose to MLB doing this and it has to do with 2022. It has to do Mm -hmm. with labor negotiations, even to the extent that, again, here's another way baseball is willing to hurt itself uh, in order to win a labor, uh, the labor, labor concessions. And yep. this, uh, we already have the universal DH, which is something everybody wants. And you know, ownership even wants, even though, yes, they have to pay a little bit of salary, I guess, to an aging hitter, but it also prevents guys from killing themselves who are not equipped to hit because yep. pitchers no longer trained to hit in almost every case. Uh, that is already, that's already on the table now for negotiations. Now I'm guessing we have a new thing because now players are going to have to negotiate to get sunscreen back in the uh, allowed, you know, zone. Pitchers are going to have the pitcher segment of the, the, the player base are going to have to beg for these things to come back. Uh, I know it's cynical. I don't want to think this way. And it does make me seem like I'm just, uh, you know, Joe union here, but um, you know, I'll call out the players for not protecting the, the, their minor leaguers, uh, their minor league brethren either. It goes both ways, but the idea that they, that even as Pete Alonso comes out and says, you guys are messing with the baseball. I don't really care what pitchers put on the baseball. I mean, again, exactly. within reason, I don't think anybody's arguing that the big goopy 
you know, the, the, the Looney Tunes cartoon stuff that spider tech is should be like, okay, or like in any amount or whatever. Okay, so let's take that. Let's realize that some of these extremes, you know, of course, should be gone. They're no different than sandpaper. Fine, but that you can't use sunscreen. Pete Alonso doesn't care. Josh Donaldson, who's just, a, he falls out of bed screaming at, uh, yelling at clouds. Uh, he says he doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't uh, care. No. Glasnow has, you know, he cited the union meeting, uh, which presumably uh, there are about 15 or so uh, offensive players who are reps. I don't know what the balance right. is. Let's say at least 10 guys there. Nobody objected that the idea that the, the sunscreen and rosin was put out there as you have objections to it. And granted, that's just 10 guys, but 10 to 15 to maybe 20 guys who are union reps who may not represent everybody who, who, who has a bat in their hands, but uh, you know, they're there for a reason. Exactly. Zero objection. Again, some of this stuff is hearsay. We're just, these are three guys being cited, but it, it seems like there's a good amount of evidence that says you are what you said, Tom, you're created a problem that doesn't exist. And we're, we're not even sure what the problem is. And baseball, meanwhile, is just sort of like, it's almost like a memo like escaped and now they like mm -hmm. don't know how to pull it back. It's like you're running straight into the brick wall and you're not doing anything to try to turn the steering wheel. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I feel like I'm yelling at Major League Baseball almost weekly at this point, <laughs> even by the cynical standards that I hold them to. I'm just like, I, I really do not understand how they could even remotely think this is a good idea. Like even, even from a labor negotiation standpoint, it's just like you are actively ignoring so many other things that are happening. And, you know, we're, we're starting to see some of the fallout now where there have been conversations about, oh, well, these teams are cheating too, or these teams are doing this. And the Astros still haven't really been dealt with as far as what the fallout is, should be making sure that no other teams are doing the same thing moving forward. And it's just like to expect that fans are just going to ignore everything else and that you've created enough of a circle of chaos that fans aren't going to be able to process everything is just not true. They're seeing what's happening and they're not happy with it. And Major League Baseball hasn't made a good case for any of them. Some of the criticisms of the commissioner, um, well, they're all, they all have at least a piece of validity. Uh, yeah. The contraction of the minors and, oh, this guy doesn't even like baseball. I mean, some of it starts to become, I am apocryphal or just, it's just a popular thing, of course, the trashy guy. This is the first time where it hits me between the eyes among many things that are bad, but this is the worst case yet where it's just like, you, you want to kill baseball. What, what mm -hmm. in the world are you doing? I mean, it's bad enough you're careening toward uh, 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 protracted labor negotiations that almost certainly are going to affect 2022 and beyond. Uh, who knows what the Jerry Reinsdorf's of the world are out there uh, just itching for right. some sort of crazy ass fight where they sacrifice a season like the NHL did uh, a couple decades ago. Uh, but this is the first time it's just like, you know, as you pointed out several times, it just they're, they're doesn't even make any sense. Uh, no. I, I wonder what, what any what any comparable situation could even be. Even, even the Black Sox played pretty much the entire, played pretty much the entire next they played season. The whole, I mean, exactly. I understand they were yeah. exonerated by the courts and then the commissioner said, well, that's because it was in Chicago <laughs> and it ain't gonna fly. So you guys all gotta go by. Right. They played pretty much the whole season. I mean, exactly. not that that's a great example, but I'm trying to think of a single time where even a single player, like mid season was like, well, you know, sorry, sir, you know, your, uh, your bat is um, 70 inches long and I don't know how we overlooked it, but, uh, or all that cork that's in your bat. I don't know how we missed it, but you need a new it bat. It stops today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, just, I mean, it's, it doesn't make sense. And I just, I don't see it as being good for the brand. And I mean, I know that no commissioner is you know, ever completely impartial or looking out for the good of the game at all times. It's usually, you know, they're representing the owners, mm -hmm. but even through that lens, I have never seen a commissioner actively alienate 
fans against the game. I mean, this is worse than what you would see in the NHL. I'm unaware of what Tony Clark has had to say on this. Uh, when the, the argument used to not punish the Astros was that in order for anything to change or for any of the managers to be uh, punished, suspended, it meant that players would have immunity in order to get them to talk. Uh, how in the world are they, not, not that I think that this should, that I don't know, that spider tax should be a thing or whatever, but how in the world is, is Tony Clark on vacation? How in the world does it not come up that <laughs> that they're like, oh, oh, we are not playing if you're trying to pull right. this stuff. I mean, this seems to be pretty similar. If they got away with not having any players at all punished for punished. the trash can scandal yep. that went on for years and affected outcomes even to the World Series, where people mm -hmm. were discussing, oh, that title should be stripped from Houston. Uh, that this is like, oh yeah, <laughs> get ready guys in a couple weeks, you know, uh, sorry, Tyler, your, your arm is shredded now. Uh, it's happening. Uh, yeah. You other guys don't do that. Uh, find a right. way to, you know, pitch with your other arm or something uh, that, that I, I'm not aware of anything that the, uh, the union has had to say. You'd think that they might have something to say though. They, they should be all over it. And that's been to me, the strangest thing about this whole situation is that you're right, Tony Clark, ha I, there hasn't been like the plastering of words that you normally see <laughs> yeah. on any sort of issue around player negotiations. Yeah. And this is probably one of the few times I can remember this many active players speaking out mm -hmm. about a current issue. And yet, you know, some of them are even player reps. And the actual, you know, Tony Clark is still kind of like behind closed doors, not saying anything. So I, I don't know if there's a long game being played here or what, but it, that, it, that's pretty fishy. Our, our, uh, our colleague, Colleen Sullivan, is fond of saying, I've, I've read the, um, the uh, labor agreement so that you don't have to. So she would be <laughs> the one to ask here. But you would, she would be that there would even be language in the union agreement that says you can't make these changes in season um i think I the only the only gray area is the fact that because it's an existing rule they could all they could start to enforce it now to the degree that they're enforcing it to i would say that that goes above and beyond but that's probably involving litigation that nobody wants to deal with so it, it's just that's the only gray area with it, but it's still just such a, a crappy move. I, I don't know why anyone would agree to it. I want to see, um, I want to see somebody get called up for like one of those doubleheader games. Um, maybe a veteran who, mm -hmm. you know, sort of like a 4A guy. So he doesn't, he's not really messing with any of his like real future. Um, let's say it's uh, who Danny Wright or the guy uh, yeah. right in, in Charlotte. Uh, call it for a day. I want to see him just get caught so he gets suspended <laughs> and he gets like, oh, wait, what is it, 10 days? He gets a week or 10 days yeah. of pay, major league pay. He was going to go down the next day anyway. I want to see a guy. Yeah, I'm like thinking some, somebody like, like Bartolo Colon just like yeah. coming back for a start just so he <laughs> Yeah, cash in. Like, the, like, the, like I love to see in Marcus Stroman where he, he's sort of like, he, if I remember, he sort of like opted out like, mm -hmm. I don't know, late enough to get his pay. It was something where he manipulated the system in his favor. In his favor, just yeah. like to see it. Not that I want to see these games play, but I just want to see one guy be like, oh yeah, okay, <laughs> just come out with this hand go. dripping. It's like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> I got a nice paid vacation because I'm going back to create a pitch anyway. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's a well, mess. Uh, on, on that note, let's start to wind things up, Tommy. Let's move on to <laughs> some more pleasant topics. You're, uh, you're a former film student. You're a, a, a musicologist. I'm a guy who watches movies and listens to music. Uh, so let's talk about a couple of topics there. I'm curious to know what you, what, what you feel, if you can pick just one, be it singer, be it music act, most underrated in your mind. I'm curious to know something that stands out at you had a had an actual career, maybe not just a one hit, you know, or one mm -hmm. album wonder. Uh, what comes to mind? Um, so as you probably know, it's impossible to pick one, but <laughs> I did have enough time to think through it. And 
a band that I actually wanted to bring up because it it's always funny to me contextually thinking about all the other music that came out at this exact same time and how overshadowed I felt like they were in in the craze of everything. Um, but it's actually the Velvet Underground. And if you look at especially the early 2000s garage rock revival that happened, so much of that was owed to not just the Rolling Stones, but really the Velvet Underground and even a lot of indie rock music that's being made today. I look at a band like that that came up right around the same time as the Beatles, Stones, so many other much bigger bands and didn't really have any hits per se at the time that they came out, but have really stood the test of time probably more than most other of their contemporaries. And it's, you know, the fun thing about music is that it always makes really weird appearances throughout, you know, history where it's like, that's not a band I would ever expect to influence this whole generation of music. That's a band that I look at as being kind of like one of the touch points that most people probably didn't think anything different of, but now it's like, no, they have influenced a whole host of today's music and may not even realize it. I remember, uh, I would say probably, and this isn't my choice, but I'll, I'll give you my my funny Velvet Underground story. And Talking Heads is probably my favorite band. And I remember seeing mm-hmm. early David Byrne interview saying that Lou Reed used to come around their apartment and insult how they dressed. <laughs> and he said one of the touchstones of actually finding some success with the Talking Heads was now he can tell, he can insult Lou Reed's dress and tell him. There you go. <laughs> But yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting choice. I would have thought of them. I mean, I, I you know, we, we do come from a little, little separate time and in, in coming into music and they had gotten so much credit from the REMs of the world, uh, you know, maybe when I was first starting to absorb uh, music that I would have thought it would be hard for them to be underrated. But then when you now extend that, you know, in the, in the two decades or three decades that have come since, uh, you know, it does make sense, especially in that, you know, uh, I don't know how often they're being, you know, cited today. And right. If, if, if they aren't, then, then certainly it makes sense because we're talking about real originators uh, more mm-hmm. so than some of the other bands you noted. Because, not to say that melody wasn't a key component in what they did, but I don't think it was primary. And perhaps in some of the invasion bands, uh, the uh, melody was <laughs> always foremost. That's you know, what it. Yeah. <laughs> melody and harmony and uh, the underground sort of like nah, we sort of want to mess you up a little bit, but uh, mm-hmm. and within that have some uh, incredible songs. Well, I have a much less fascinating. I'm sure you have other answers. I'll throw my. I'll throw the one that I thought of. Much less fascinating, but uh, he, I always thought if they had as good a management and representation and, reput- and reputation and luck as Wilco, that they would, they would have been Wilco. And that is Beulah. Out of, oh yeah. That's a good one. Bay area, a band that just sort of an incredible documentary. I don't know if you have seen a uh, good band is easy to kill uh, documenting their last tour, uh, just a strange band to begin with and maybe never had their heart in it enough to be what they could have been. But yeah. That's a band I always hear and think, Man, there's a lot here that never got heard. And, and for a band that had, you know, I don't know, maybe about five album run, uh, it seemed like, man, to be under the radar to the degree they were was, uh, they hit all the touchstones for me, quirky titles, yeah, uh, melody, et cetera. But that's the first one I think of when I come up with that question for myself. But uh, you said you had more than one <laughs> possible. Is there anybody else you want to throw out there? Um, I mean... You know, it's it's always interesting when you talk about underrated because there's so many factors, especially when it comes to music. Because, you know, the other one that I was thinking of that I don't think is underrated, they're, they're kind of like the, you know, any anybody that listens to music influences, but uh, Big Star is another one oh, yeah. where it's like, you're talking about really talented songwriters that never really made the big time the way that they envisioned that they would but once again influenced a whole host of future generations of singer-songwriters and musicians with not only their approach to melody but they had 
incredible musicianship mm -hmm. um, in their music as well. Um, that was just kind of a rare combination. Yeah, it's always fascinating to to have these discussions and sort of learn influences, whether it's people you know and like uh, or, or bands you listen to, uh, because that can sort of trace you back to, you know, what their influences were mm -hmm. and so forth. And it's also funny, you know, sometimes to hear someone who's hyped and you think, they're they're underrated right they're yeah underrated. that's always fun because sometimes you, it does hit a sour note with you as well yeah so you know it can go the other direction too uh those are, those are great choices and and certainly those would have been you know i don't i mean i think th those are those are somewhat common choices and i mean those are two bands definitely cited as not getting their due having mm -hmm. enormous influence not from the same era um, right diff very different uh one one more sinister than the other for sure <laughs> uh but uh all right the other thing i want to talk to you about again as the film student you are and again as a guy who just watches movies i uh i want a i want a movie recommendation from you and i don't know how many i see so hopefully it's probably something i haven't seen but who knows um <sighs> So it's not it's not a movie, but I do have to say I just finished watching the second I won't call it a season because it's really installment a uh, second installment of Lupin and it was a lot Ooh. of fun on on Netflix. Um, it is just the first season of it is largely just like how does he get away with all of these crazy you know heists and con artist type things but it quickly turns into some pretty deep family drama and it's like okay there's like some interesting backstory here but as somebody that's a fan of those kind of thought-provoking action movies that you know used to be relatively common in the mm -hmm. you know late 80s early 90s it was kind of a, a fun throwback for me good i haven't seen it so i i take your recommendation now now did you take my recommendation from months ago and ever see i believe mr nobody mr nobody i did okay. yes i i very much enjoyed it crazy trippy Real it's a surprise. trippy movie but i enjoy it <laughs> yeah and then when my, my wife dug that out and you know she knows i'm you know i'm more science fiction even than her and that's not really just all you can describe it as but it certainly has those elements and uh yeah, yeah. We both both loved it all right well then i will give you another suggestion because it had some real uh evoked uh fargo which is one of my favorite movies uh, ever i think this one Mine falls as well. under the radar enough for you uh, to maybe have not seen because uh, i think it's a 2020 movie called the wolf of snow hollow i've not seen that uh very uh has um it gets a little formulaic toward the end but mm -hmm. uh has that same whacking obviously there's snow it's cold uh <laughs> very absurd uh, very very much in the vein of both the movie and probably even the fargo series to a degree very well done i don't know if it's a first time filmmaker but, they, but the star was the director and the writer so i sort of okay. like those uh those auteur type pieces especially when they work well so uh, right again not something i would have necessarily uh thought i would love again another thing that my wife found for us to watch and was fantastic so hopefully awesome so really just, check I it have out. Another, i'm just the middleman i am just <laughs> passing along my dear wife's great uh, uh selections and picks um all right well uh yeah, this is not White Sox content, but we don't care. This is believe in White Sox. If it's you believe in White Sox, yeah. you believe in Tommy Barbie, you believe in Brett Valentini, and you're going to believe in hopefully some of the stuff we talk about that doesn't have to do with baseball. I mean, come on, there's more to life than just baseball. The White Sox are great. They're on an exactly. incredible run. We can rest easy for just, well, a week or so until our next episode and just be cool. We got a nice for, uh, first place lead. Uh, things are looking really good. Hopefully the team's only going to get healthier, not less healthy. I mean, I know that's a real knock on wood statement this year of all years, <laughs> but I mean, come on, at some point it's got to stop. Yeah. Um, Tony hasn't done anything like nuts and crazy and um, anger invoking for like a, a little bit. Um, that's nice. Uh, it's been refreshing. It's nuts. It's sort of like yeah. we're getting to this last week here. We've sort of got to enjoy the team and it's been tough to do without feeling like a little people yelled at me at Southside Sox for, for saying that uh, like, 
you know, you're being too guilty and just don't just enjoy the teams. Like, you know, sometimes never, it's hard. Yeah. You know, this is why I'm not a Cubs fan. If I didn't right. care about that stuff, maybe I'd be a Cubs fan. I don't want to feel dirty. I don't want to take yeah. a shower after a ball game. I want to be yep. like, yeah, these are my guys. Not, oh, Christ, what did he do to one of his own players? Exactly. What is, oh, what did Han, how did Han yell at the fans again? Yep. I don't want that. Again, I'd be a fan of another team. Most likely the Cubs are one of those evil empire teams. That's, that's mm-hmm. not my thing. So yep. this has been refreshing. So of course we can talk about movies or music and stuff. We're going to do it again. So exactly. you know, come come back for the ads because not, sponsorship's rolling now. So it's coming. Uh, listenership. Shoot Through the roof. Rocket. Yeah. Uh, the writing on Southside Sox from both Tommy and me and all of our friends, a couple dozen at least, great something to check out absolutely uh you know the entire believe in whoever network you know it's terrific uh believe in white socks is the best so keep listening to us (laughs) but uh you know tommy keeps coming back so i'll keep showing up and uh we'll probably talk to you again i don't know if it'll be after the houston series or maybe a week from now but we will be talking again soon tommy thanks for taking the time once again it's been a lot of fun absolutely thank you Put away the spider tack. Don't let anybody know. <laughs> at some point, you use too much. Your fingers stick to the you, keyboard. You know, then your hand falls it's off. It's going to be embarrassing. <laughs> so I've already cleaned up my system. I'm not even using sunscreen. You know, just the rosin to keep the exactly. sweat off the hand. So I'm not mistyping. But uh, yeah, get rid of the spider tack. And uh, we'll reconvene uh, here in a few days. Sounds good. Thanks, everybody, for listening out there as the masses multiply. Keep on coming back to Believe in White Sox, your White Sox podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.